the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober with Alex and Lisa. Season three is sponsored by IPHM, an accreditation board for holistic therapists and training providers around the world. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's going on with my hair. I think, right, do you know what I mean when I say I look a bit like Frankenstein? Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) I I actually do. (laughs) I've got Frankenstein hair. Even though he had his bolts in his neck, it feels like they're here in my head. I I absolutely know what you mean. Is that bad that I know what you mean? Like, is that a bad friend thing to say? No, I think it's a really good friend thing to say because if I said, do I look awful in this and I did, I think you'd tell me. So I'm glad you said yeah, because if you said you couldn't tell what I meant with my Frankenstein hair, I'd have been like, she's lying. Yeah, I know. (laughs) What's going on with you? Are you getting a phone call? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, could you tell? It's from school. (laughs) All right, they're obviously keeping you back for detention. Yes, they are. (laughs) It's hard because it rings on my phone and my watch now. So I get that, but I get it on my phone, my watch, and for some reason, my iPad starts ringing. iPad, if the iPad starts, that's it. Like, all right, I've got a phone call. (laughs) Why does everything have to do it? So anyway, we're not going to even have a big chat hour because our next chat is like completely off topic. Well, it's not completely off topic, but it's a lot different than our other ones. I said this a few weeks ago and it wasn't different, but this one is different, isn't it? Well, it is because it's our second non-sober person. Oh, it was our first? Mark and Liam, well, Mark from uh, Wise Up, he was our first non-sober person. Um. And then, yeah, so this is our second non-sober person that we've had on the podcast. But we did say that we were going to do things a little bit differently. And I think it was it, this is actually a really, really important topic. And it's nice to hear it kind of from the other side. So M is the partner of Sober Dave. And we Ooh, we've had on here, haven't we? We've had yeah, we have. And honestly, that episode with Sober Dave, so funny. if you've not heard it... Please go back and listen to it because it's absolutely hilarious. Although now we've spoke to Em, maybe we shouldn't have laughed so much. (laughs) I know it does sound like she went through quite a rough time while he was out chasing foxes, doesn't it? (laughs) I know, I know, but it's so interesting to hear her side. It is, and she's absolutely lovely. Such an inspirational woman. So Emma Campbell, otherwise known as Limitless Limitless M. Hi Em, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? (laughs) Good, I'm good. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. It seems like ages since we spoke on, was it, did you do something on the Sober Sessions? You did something on I the Sober Sessions? Oh, I did. The brilliant Sober yeah. Sessions. Yeah, I came in quite an early early on, I think, as the partner of, you know, which is something which is an important conversation, isn't it? You know, and as the partner of Sober Dave, um, the wife of Sober Dave, I've, yeah, got quite a lot to say on the subject and I've been through... <laughs> You know, I've been through my journey with it as he has, you know. I um, didn't get to see that because I was, I can't remember why. Had I yes. just gone through a miscarriage and I wasn't, that was my miscarriage yeah. time, wasn't it? And I'd gone through my miscarriage and you were on and I remember I was watching it. And even though, like, I wasn't in a very good place, I, I was, I felt like I had big bad FOMO. Yeah, no, it was, it, it's, that was they were brilliant those sessions but it's it, they're just it's so important to shine the light and I often say this to Dave well Dave and I often say it you know he's the partner of a uh, someone living with secondary breast cancer and he doesn't 
get a chance to voice how it's been for him enough. And I'm the partner of someone who's sober, thankfully, but was, you know, absolutely at the opposite end of sober a couple of years ago. And I think the partner's perspective is something we both feel really strongly about sharing. We say this a lot, don't we? Because alcoholism doesn't just affect the person. It does affect the families and the people around them. And I loved it when you came on the Sober Sessions then because my ex-husband was an alcoholic. And just listening to you talk, it's just like, oh, I'm not the only person in the world. So I think it's going to be so nice to get your perspective for yes. all the people that listen that do have alcoholic partners or people that are dependent on drink because although I had my own issues with alcohol and I was a binge drinker and I was drinking to escape a lot of the time yeah being an alcoholic is never something that I'm massively associated with and I think his his drinking is what kind of helped me to stop drinking if you like yes. more than having my own rock bottom so yeah. I'm dying to like talk to you again and let's mm-hmm. let's get the perspective for our listeners as well absolutely couldn't well, agree more would you kick us off then with just I, I know that your story is massive I mean I mean I love how you call yourself and when we were doing your bio before like you you don't call yourself a cancer survivor you call yourself a cancer thriver and you really are I mean when you look at everything you've managed to accomplish and achieve over the years yeah. It's amazing. So could you just kick us off with a little bit about your story and then we'll then we'll move on to Dave. We'll, we'll, yeah, Dave's, sure. Dave's had enough. Dave's had his say. He's not allowed his say. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my kind of story began nearly 11 years ago um, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time. Um, I'd recently given birth to triplets. So my triplets were six months old. My eldest son was nearly seven and I was just coming through a horrendously difficult separation with, with their dad. Um, and yeah, I was diagnosed with invasive breast cancer. So breast cancer that had already gone into my lymph nodes. Um, I'd had a lump for years. I'd had it checked over the years. But as a woman in your 30, in the 30s, you're kind of like, you know, quite natural, not yeah, it was okay. It feels like a cyst. Don't worry. Come back if it changes. I had a mammogram at some point and that was fine. But the changes that I did definitely notice in those early months after the triplets were born and during the you know really difficult points at home, I ignored and I didn't I didn't act on. So by the time I finally kind of got my head around going to the GP, I had a fight, you know, and, and a diagnosis. I had a five centimeter tumor. So. I kind of, yeah, embarked it, life talking of rock bottoms, which I know is a term that, you know, t- talking of sobriety and alcoholism, it's a term, isn't it? That's used a lot, but I was already, people often say, well, how did you feel when you were first diagnosed? Well, to be honest, I was already a, a physical and an emotional rock bottom because as miraculous and wonderful as it was for my triplets to have arrived after years of recurrent miscarriage and, you know, secondary infertility, absolute miracle um and they were healthy and and thriving but you know life in every way had kind of imploded um so I was already kind of on the floor so when the when the diagnosis came I don't it was just almost like a kind of right yeah (laughs) you know um because I felt like I, I didn't really feel like I had any further to fall to be honest but anyway I embarked on 
all of the treatment that they, they threw at me and I responded really, really well. And, you know, after a very brutal year of mastectomy, chemo, radiotherapy, hormone treatment, I recovered and I went into remission and I did really, really well. And then followed the kind of single mum of four years, kind of in remission from cancer, dealing with the daily, you know, toddler triplets, you know, preschool age triplets, an older boy and still kind of no real closure on the relationship. So very... But, but physically doing really, really well, but mentally not, you know, really, really crippled with the fear of the cancer coming back and ultimately me not being here for the kids. It was that was the total preoccupation. And it and I look back now and I shudder to think of my mental state, really. And I, I was in I just remained in kind of survival mode, you know, being mum, doing my best, you know doing all of the practical things but internally just really unable sadly to kind of feel the joy of what I had and to be present um anyway to kind of cut through it quite quickly I I got through those four or five years and really felt like I turned a corner um the trip that started uh school Jake started secondary school it was like god I'm nearly at the five-year clear I've done it relationship close closure feeling physical and strong and well and optimistic a real mindset shift and then found out that my cancer had returned um God so no. I found my I found myself in the in the secondary breast cancer category which is something that I was in denial about for, for years actually I mean I, I I you know I there's a lot of there's been a, again you know parallels with being in you know dealing with an alcohol dependency the kind of or any kind of addiction Dave and I have talked about this a lot the kind of both being in denial with certain air issues um and then both going into recovery with yeah. so it's interesting yeah. you know we, we we talk about it such a lot but alongside this devastating terrifying secondary diagnosis as as this that was all unfolding I was also falling in love very heavily and very quickly with the man you now know as, as Sober Dave. So there were these two real extremes of, of, of life, you know, going on um, side by side. So the, the heady loved up, oh my God, this amazing man's appeared in my life. And oh my God, this time it's really, you know, I'm stage four. Right? It's incu- all, the, all of those words that I tend to avoid labelling myself with, but I was in that category. So, yeah, and then, gosh, I mean, I could, uh, do you want me to go on? For the next, yeah, yeah, the next, I mean, the next, I, if you're happy to, yeah, I'm definitely. Happy to. So, so Dave and I, as, as, as you know, the gist of our story, we, we met, we fell in love very quickly, very intensely, and he was phenomenal. He, from day one, was there, rock solid, um, and the most amazing man I'd ever met. But we weren't living together. You know, I was lucky enough to be able to have time with him, the odd night with him. I felt very cared for. I felt very loved. I felt very safe with him. And he was present for me, or so I thought, and was by my side at chemo and, you know, incredible. Um, But I didn't realise that he had a huge drink problem. And I, it sounds funny to say that, so how can you not realise it? But I all our issues are wrapped, come in different sort of packages, don't they? And for me, without going into the detail, the relationship with my ex-partner had been influenced by too much 
alcohol, but it showed itself in such a different way that I didn't recognize it in Dave. Yeah. Because in so many ways, Dave was the most stable, steady man I'd ever met. So I thought, Um, because he was a functioning, you know, highly functioning, responsible, up every day, working 10, 11, 12 hour day, showing up, you know, never letting me down. And so, you know, he, I got, I got through chemo. I've, I've remained on treatment ever since that's that second diagnosis. So I've been on regular, you know, maintenance chemotherapy for, for six years now. Um, but again, did very well, went back into remission and within a year, David sold his house and moved in with me and, you know, five-year-old triplets, feral five-year-old triplets, <laughs> a 12-year-old into a very small little house with very, very, very thin walls. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, just like I don't, he, he didn't know what had hit He did not know what had hit him. And actually, in a way, thank God we were so loved up and naive because really a sensible couple would have just taken it slowly, but we, we didn't. And that's not the way we are. But thankfully, and there was so many points where it, where it felt that we were heading for yeah. the rocks as a couple. And in a way, all of those kind of opinions around us, and well, are you sure you're not rushing it? Actually, it's, there was a long time where it felt like, God, yeah, we, we really messed up here. You know, <laughs> he's an alcoholic. I, he, the step family thing, the, you know, all the, yeah. dif- the differences in who we are, the conflict, the, Anyway, we've, we've come through the other side, so it's all it's worked out. But there were there were lots of rocky moments along the way. Um, Dave's drinking became a problem within a few months of our relationship of him moving in. I couldn't work out why we kept rowing, and every, pretty much every night, you know. And for months, for a long, long time, I put it down to the pressure of all of the obvious things. His sudden change of of life you know the adjustment to being to going from a single man living in his neat and tidy home to stepdad of four no privacy for us our our sex life kind of you know that honeymoon bubble just yeah yeah. the minute he walked in um and the responsibility the huge increase in what was expected of him as a partner and you know just by look by nature of him stepping into our world um He'd said to me that the very last night that we spent at his house a week before he moved in, he'd he said to me over dinner, I've got to tell you something. I'm a functioning alcoholic. And I was so shocked and couldn't take in what he said that I, again, I went into denial and I chose to ignore what he'd said. There was a under offer sign, sold sign outside his house you know, his house, we were eating off paper plates, everything was packed up. What on earth was I supposed to do with that? <laughs> so I decided, it, I kind of remember going, but you can't be, you're, no, you're not. But, but at no point did I think, someone else might have thought, well, okay, mate, forget the finance, forget the mess, this would, you're not, you're not, I, I, I didn't, I, a, I didn't want anything to change. I loved him, but it it was too enormous for me to comprehend. So I just put it somewhere, compartmentalized mm-hmm. it. And, you know, and so, yeah, within a few months, it just became very clear that there was a personality change every single night. But, you know, as we all know, we change when we have a drink and he would change. And I know he wouldn't mind me saying it, you know, the kind of dog with a bone, the nitpicking, the, the complaining about, you know, 
the kids or noise or the mess. And so we just, this wedge just started to really kind of come between us. But we would, we were in this cycle where we'd kind of fall out every night, pretty much every night it felt. He would drink hugely, pass out on the sofa, or we'd have had a round, sleep in separate beds. But the next morning he got up, he went to work, and he would be the decent man that I loved and the humble and self-aware man that I loved. So it kind of, the time went by, you know, and we'd go through, we, but we became, what was sort of so sad was that we'd gone from being what I thought this really healthy couple. You know, when you look at your life and you think, and it, you know, for someone in her 40s to say, God, I finally feel like I'm in a healthy relationship. I was yeah. so proud of that. Yeah. You know, and I'd fought so hard to get to where I was as a mom, as a parent, with a life, with, a, with stability. And he'd added so much to that. But suddenly it was like this toxic poison, you know, that was just going to destroy everything. But it was very, very confusing because, like I say, it still didn't... It, you know, you could easily, he could, probably could fall into that category where people say, oh, you're right, you know, friends with you, I, right. I, I don't see Dave like that. You know, I don't, see, does he really go on? Oh, he's always lovely. And, you know, so you, and depending on your kind of state of mind, you, you and, and, and I was drinking, you know, we I was just going to ask yeah. that and sorry, was yeah. you drinking like a single man at the time to kind oh my, of? Yeah, so I've always, luckily, I, I, you know, long may it last, but I've, I've never had a, I've naturally got quite a moderate way of being with things apart from chocolate. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I've kind of got a natural cutoff and, you know, that term lightweight, but before Dave, I would, I, I just couldn't tolerate, I, I would love wine. You know, I love having, I love nothing more than seeing some girlfriends and sharing a bottle of wine or yeah. I love that. But luckily I never go, I very rarely go beyond a certain point because I can't bear the feeling, you know, and it doesn't take much. And, but got to be honest. And, and it's funny you talk about them because I don't even like admitting that I was drinking more because I feel a bit embarrassed because I've always, but I definitely was because that, that, that was a huge part of what we did together. And from when we met and I would go to his house for our little bubbles of respite and falling in love time and, that friends and family would help me have that break from the kids and the yeah. treatment. And, and I'd be sitting, sipping on my Prosecco, you know, able to forget cancer for a bit and, and yeah. responsibility. And he'd be knocking back, but we just would, you know, rock solid. And you then, course, sorry to interrupt you, you don't notice it like that in you the same don't. way. Cause uh, when you're, yeah, in anything though, you know, like when you were, when you're looking at somebody and even if you yourself was to have developed a problem in that time, you probably wouldn't have noticed it because Dave was yeah. drinking more. And that's what happened to me with my ex-husband. And that's what happened to Lisa. And that's what actually kept us both stuck in the cycle of this Absolutely. destructive drinking. Well, I think that's it. So very much, I think the pattern that we got into was that, and I'm, you know, I was having therapy at the time and I'd go there and I'd say, but you know, we had another bad weekend, we had a round. And she would, the therapist would say, if he doesn't stop, you know, you, you're not going to make it if something doesn't change. And he, again, I remember, oh, but you know, I just need him to kind of moderate or cut down. And, and, and I'd always sort of live in this hope that, because I, so, but the very much the daily drinking, because he'd always been a daily drinker. And because there is something, I, I you know, when he gave up drinking, I remember talking about the kind of grieving period of realizing that he and I again would never experience that mutual 
<sighs> I get that as well. Yeah. You know, and it's, and that's, that, that was a lot to get my head around. But to go back to the bit when we were still drinking, because so much of our relationship was, you know, mutual, such love for each other and, and shared humour and both loving to do the same things, you know, we would, it would be that, oh, yeah, we would love that first couple of drinks in the evening. Yeah. But like you said, I would stop on a good night at one, on another night at two, on a Friday night, maybe at half a bottle. Yeah, but it was turning into an everyday thing for me, and that. But he was drinking two, three bottles plus the beers every single night. So again, I was still positioning myself comfortably in that very moderate drinker because, of course, of course, I was, you know, uh, and of course, I was compared to to that brother. Yeah, and so I often think, God, if if he'd carried on, what would that, you know? Yeah, what, what would it have led to? Yeah. So what the, the one one of the many positives is that once he stopped, I then sort of slipped back into the, the drinker I naturally probably am, yeah. which is someone who enjoys it when she does it, doesn't need it, doesn't give it too much thought. And, you know, like it's funny, like at the moment I've been going through this phase and I don't know how I discovered it, but I've, I've been buying like 5% like um, spermant carver or whatever. And there'll be a bottle in the fridge and I'll just have like, and it's, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, I'm so amazing, but it's like, there'll be a bottle of five or 6% carver and it will, it will last for ages. It'll end up going flat, but it's really not, I do enjoy it. And, and, and then yeah. there's another part of me that, um, and again, cause you know, when you're married to someone, you're so close and you get, you get, but you have all those touchy moments with each other or defensiveness, or you don't want to be told what to do. And, you know, there've been times where, I almost, I think there's a stubborn part of me and I'm being really honest here. There's a stubborn part of me that doesn't want to, to completely give up because it's almost like, well, you're the, like, don't, because, because it's not, doesn't feel like it's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And because he would love me to, there's a part of me that goes, that's sort of almost like, <laughs> do, you, do you get what I mean? Without me sounding really. Um, no, you don't off. sound bad. Em. Honestly, you don't. And you really don't. And I think it's probably because you're on this be sober podcast it's like no you know what it, this is it's so important that we have these conversations because there is a continuum of drinkers there are people yeah. who don't ever drink there are people who drink so much that they don't function and there yeah. are a whole load of people in between and, and this is what we we say quite a lot it is such a personal journey and if yeah. it's not a problem for you it's not a problem yeah so yeah you know we're very much on that in that camp now where we say look you know we're not trying to make everybody stop drinking i mean we are actually and we are trying yeah. to make everybody stop drinking. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> like if we've got em sober by the end of this podcast I'd be <laughs> but, but we do recognize yeah but we do recognize that the if it's not a problem for the person then it's not a problem if yeah. you're sat there questioning your own drinking and only drinking one glass a year then it's a problem and I think we're very much we have the same understanding of that don't we Lisa I yeah. mean I've got family members who who drink regular regular drink you know regular drink and they drink more now than they ever did right um but never as much as kind of I did or my yeah. family, other family members did so comparatively speaking they don't have a problem would I like them to stop yeah because I'd like them to experience what I yeah. now know to be true for me but but what it is to, to sort of yeah to round up on that it's the, the, the wonderful it gosh I often think bloody hell where would we have 
where would we have both headed? I certainly would have been drinking more than I, you know, than I should have done. Absolutely, which is not good in any way. Certainly for someone who lives with cancer, you know, I'm very, very mindful of that. You know, of, I know. I mean, I, I know enough about it to know that it's not an ideal thing. So I'm, I'm kind of the relief of knowing that it's now not really something that features in our home, in our, in our life together is, is a real relief. And in terms of the kids, it's just taken it out of the equation. Like, you know, yeah. it's funny, it's someone, we've, we've got a friend in our social bubble and he was staying with us a couple of weeks ago. And I'm sorry, in our support bubble. And um, he said, my son is nearly 18. And he said, oh, Jake, do you ever, do you ever have a beer, Jake? And, you know, and he said, no, so well, there's never any drinking, never any beer in this house. And there was something about that he does. And I said, and I was like, do you think if there were beers in the fridge? He said, well, only if I was really thirsty, because I know, and he's a, you know, and he's a late developer, and I'm sure he'll have his times in the in the years to come where he he's out and he hasn't hit that yet. But it it really made me feel good to think, well, yeah, they're growing up. They they whether I have the odd glass of low alcohol carver or not, they're growing up in a house where alcohol doesn't feature. Yeah. And that is just, that makes me feel really, really good. And I'm so proud of that. And that is like, whatever else we go through as a family, whatever bits that I would love to kind of iron out, you know, issues wise and personality clashes wise. I think that's one gift that we're giving them or that Dave led by Dave. And especially as something about, well, well, I, no, I'm not going to say it's something about the mayor, but maybe I'm projecting because of things I've been through in the past with the drama around drink and that being witnessed by children. Yeah. And there was a point where that was creeping in absolutely 100% to it, to but that's gone. That's gone. And I'm so, there's not a day goes by where I don't feel so grateful that that doesn't feature whatever else we don't get right as a family or as parents step parents with that that issue isn't there and that is mm. just like you know because we all feel that we're going to mess our kids up don't we and there's that you know feeling that we probably all do in some way but yeah I'm just so grateful that 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 that, that isn't something that they're seeing and experiencing um, showing them that they can have fun, I think, as well, yeah, without alcohol. But I just wanted to take you back a little bit to what you said about. Um, oh, I've forgotten already. Why do I do? <laughs> she does this late life spitting. Oh, don't the brain fog. Honestly. Honestly, I have. I am having real brain fog, it's right? Terrible. About not wanting to stop drinking because I remember with my ex, um, be like doing a dry January, and on the first week in January, we went out for a meal and I ordered wine and he was like oh you're not doing dry January with me and I was like no I don't need to do it I don't need to stop I'm absolutely fine you're the one with the issue yeah <laughs> so, and that's, so I just totally got that but what I do want to ask you Em is did you ever have this discussion with Dave and did you ever ask him to stop drinking so he often says, and it always, it's lovely where he always says when he's talking, oh, Em never gave me an ultimatum. And I, and I don't, and I, I didn't. And it's nice to hear him say that, whether I should have done or shouldn't have done. Um, but I feel good that he, he obviously came to it himself. But what happened was, I think I just never in a million years believed he would stop. So we would as every couple, you have a blazing row. We were having a lot of blazing rows. There were huge periods of disconnection and tension and stress and horrible things being said back and forth. And that separation, that feeling of separation. 
but because of the things that I would often, I would knit, I would always say, well, you were drunk again or, but actually I think horrible things would get said. The, the recover, the, the sort of making up or the analyzing of what happened the night before would be about probably the horrible things that were said rather than, but why did you say those horrible things? Yeah. You said those horrible things because you'd had two and a half bottles of wine before eight o'clock. Whereas I would, and actually probably if I'd given, if I'd, if I'd been able to realize earlier on that it wasn't him, doesn't excuse the bad behavior, but I would just fixate on the very, on my, you know, very hurt feelings or the unacceptable behavior. Yeah. If, that, if I'm explaining it properly, I know what I mean. You just never connected the two. So I didn't, I did and I didn't, like I did, because I knew that he drank too much, but I think in my mind it was like, this is Dave. Yeah. He ain't ever going to stop. And, you know, and like me, I've said it before, like me, not as someone again, who's got luckily got the moderate button, never understanding, be like, darling, you know, you don't need to fill that wine up to the very top. You don't need to drink it so quickly. Should we just have, you know, why don't, you know, that could, why don't, because we knew that he could never stop at one bottle, but it would be, you know, why don't you just say on the Friday night, you're just going to have one bottle. I've got my Prosecco. I'll have a little bit of Prosecco. Yeah. I won't touch your bottle of red wine. You, that's yours, but let's just do it that and And I'm naively, because I, yeah, that, that wasn't possible. So the point of, I think it just became very clear in the, in the time leading up to him drinking, to stopping was the breaking point where I, he, again, he often tells us of me just kind of breaking down and saying, I can't do this anymore. But it wasn't, if you don't stop, you're out the door, yeah. you know. It was never that because I couldn't imagine our life, I couldn't imagine us not being together. Even when he had his, you know, that horrendous rock bottom, as he says, in, in slept on the beach in Eastbourne, you know, went AWOL for three or four nights, slept in his van, slept on the beach, bone was off. I was, you know, beside myself. And it's a miracle. I mean, you know, what I imagine he was pouring, you know, bottles of vodka and... I don't even think then, I remember when he came back and we went to the doctor and, but even then he didn't, he didn't, there was a lack of honesty, obviously. So it was more that he, and you know, he'll probably, what if there was a lot of, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but there was a lot of blaming his stress and breakdowns on external yeah. pressures. I think a so lot of people do that as well though. I think a lot of people who are going through, you know, like when I think back to when that came to a head with me and my drinking, for example, which was at the, the height of my first miscarriage, my mental health was shattered. Even I, as the person drinking, didn't make the link for a long time that what was actually shattering my mental health, yes, of course I was damaged because of the miscarriage, but I was prolonging it because of the alcohol. Absolutely. And, and I and even I didn't make that link myself. And actually once once I gave up the alcohol, I was able to heal from that mentally. So I, I can see why there would be that blaming. It's it's, it's what we do. It's it's a human Absolutely. way of, of being in but, denial. And that was the pattern of our our conflict from day one. It was, you know, it was my narrative was, oh my god, he's made a terrible mistake. He's trapped. He doesn't want to be with me. He doesn't want to be in this. It's too much pressure for him, you know. And then the kind of well, who else would put up with? It's great, you know, all this pressure. I don't want to say it, but you know, you get the gist of what you know, response right. all of that. And so I just felt this he's he's picked the wrong life, he's found himself in the wrong life, and there's no and because there was a hell of a lot of 
blame and lashing out verbally if it wasn't for this 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 I wouldn't be feeling like this and actually even now as I'm saying it god how did we not make the connection and so it was just awful kind of vicious circle of me saying well go then you know you're clearly not happy and then obviously me doing this with my babies and kind of you know pushing him away him feeling more isolated because I'm we're all rejecting him because he's so difficult to be around so but yeah just I mean it is honestly and often I feel like a bit of a fraud when I share this part of our story my story because the miracle is is that Dave stopped two two and however long years monthly months year two years ago and so far has never drunk again has never relapsed and you know, who, we, ne- we never know, but there seems no sign at the moment that that will change. You know, he seems so committed to his path and it's such a wonderful thing to see. But I haven't experienced, I cannot begin to imagine how I would, where, where I would be at now mentally, emotionally, on every level, if I was having to live with the unpredictability. That's one thing I didn't have. He predictably drank. Yeah. So I knew where I was. I certainly knew where I was with it. But if I, I cannot, it makes me shudder to think of him now. Because I have nightmare. You know, he'll, he'll wake up saying, oh my God, I dr- dreamt I drank last night. And I'll wake up going, oh my God, I dreamt you were drinking. Drank- my daughter, <laughs> yeah. my daughter who's 11 last week, went, mom, I had a dream that Dave was drunk. You know, it's like, if he, if I was, in, if we were in that cycle as a family, that would that would be worse, I think, almost than him just drinking. I think because I, the, the adrenaline and the, the, and the, the kind of constant relapse back on it, yeah, relapse, yeah I, I get the hyper vigilance, the hyper vigilance. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I think. Can, can I just ask then? Before I, I'm sorry, we're keeping you for ages, but no, before you not. before you do end up going off, can I ask you about what life's been like since? And, and I don't mean like you know. Obviously, you're still on your own journey. You're still, yeah. as you've said, you're undergoing treatment. Can you now, do you, a lot of the disbelief that we see when you're telling your story, I think it's just like, oh my God, I'm, I think some realisations happen as you're telling them. You know, like, it's, oh, oh, you know, true. <laughs> and that's what's so like, brilliant about these conversations, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know. So like, now you're in, you're in it now and you're in this kind of present now with Sober Dave, who's, who's doing amazing things. He's helping other people. You're helping other people. You're a public speaker yourself now. You know, you've both got these kind of journeys where you're both thriving in different ways. How has like life changed? In what ways has life changed having Dave go sober for the family? Yeah, well, I mean, so many more positives than negatives. So the immediate kind of feeling of a sa- emotional safety the kind of safety so as far the, the all the obvious benefits as far as the, as far as the kids go of you know the the explosive rouse kind of almost disappeared overnight and you know we still have the odd bad little patch but it's nothing like it used to be yeah. so that relief that that kind of you know hypervigilance like I often say the fact that he and I just fell back into this kind of linked connected I'm doing this with my hands um (laughs) you know place that we naturally oh we're very compatible you know it's it's we're I feel so lucky to have met someone who I can share so much with we have a we've both found us we've got you know so many parallels we've both found ourselves 
in an unexpected place in our lives where we're passionately working through our own shit and our own stuff and our own insights and our own growth and expansion, stumbling along the way, you know, dealing with all those layers. But ultimately, we both are aligned in what we who we are now and where we, how we see our own potential and how we want to, how we see other people's potential, you know, his passion for helping with his coaching and, and the, the energy and the hours he gives to kind of talking and sharing unanswering questions is so wonderful to see. And it comes from such a, a genuine place. And with me, I, you know, on my cancer journey, I've, I spent so many years in a, in a, in such darkness and, lost so many moments unable to connect with any kind of joy or lightness so for me now to still be you know at the hospital yesterday having my targeted chemo it's never it never there's never an arrival point where you've nailed it you know there's not a day that goes by it must filter the cancer thoughts endlessly in my mind but somehow you let you know I've learned some coping techniques and tools that that I've managed yeah mine comes back to mindset and I've worked really hard on that but he and I yeah I mean it's just he's present obviously he's highly highly present he's we sleep in the same bed at night except when one of us you know I think we both have a bit of a snoring issue which is (laughs) (laughs) so that's the only reason now that we don't occasionally sleep in the same bed um and his wisdom and and I and it's funny because even now sometimes I forget how much I can trust him emotionally now. Yeah. So the old Dave and I, I know we haven't got long, but the old Dave would that and I'm sure maybe you can relate to this or your in your situ from other people's experiences. That horrendous thing when someone's had too much to drink and they send a text or they yeah. the keyboard war you know the keyboard nightmare yeah. of waking up. And he was he was never a loose cannon socially where he embarrassed me at a party or anything, but he would, that dog with the bone kind of, if someone upset him and then I'd, I'd say to him before I'd go to bed, darling, just leave that. Don't, don't answer that text tonight. And the next morning there would have been, you know, horrific sort of exchange have gone on and, uh, you know, and it would be all drink fueled. And even recently there was a kind of a situation where he had to, um, talk to someone about something and I was all time just you know oh god just cut, cut, stay calm and he handled it amazingly and it's like he is calm He's yeah. not so it's almost like I forget sometimes that I don't have to worry that it's you know I'm, I can relax I can trust him you know nice. you know and so yeah and those personality traits because what drink does is it doesn't it I think it heightens those parts of, you know, what, what do they say? So if you're feeling low, it'll probably make you feel lower. If you're, you, you know, like he, he's might still have certain character traits that don't he's always find it easy to let go. <laughs> um, but he's just amazing. And I, it's, yeah, it's changed everything. I mean, of course, in some fantasy world, it would be lovely to think if we ever go on holiday again. But actually that was only the first, you know, it's those first, like the idea of the first holiday where you're not having that lovely glass of wine by the pool. We've done that now. It doesn't matter. It's the yeah, idea. Yeah, you were on holiday yeah. last year, weren't you? You managed yeah. to get away last year. And I know that Dave was was doing quite a bit of messaging on his Instagram about it. Because I know he had some tough days, you know. He, he, he did. Yeah. He did. And, and it's like, but I think now that we've come through so many of those firsts, he has. Yeah. We have as a couple. I don't even think about it now. 
you know, and um, I'm really mindful. You know, I made a few mistakes back at the beginning because he's so wanted, he's so stressed. He stressed the fact so strongly that this is my problem. You have a drink if you want. And there was one occasion quite early on where a friend came round and we were, you know, the bottle of Prosecco was on the table. There was only one bottle over, the, over in a long evening, but we were, you know, pouring it in front of him and, and he got really agitated and I felt a bit like defensive like god you know I should be allowed to have my yeah friends but now again it's like because he almost did too well at the beginning I just didn't I then went through a period of not being sensitive enough because he just was so determined to come on we're going to go and sit in a pub I'll have a lime and soda yeah we're going to go to that party where there's a free bar don't worry I'm fine so and then it 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 took a while for the penny to drop come on then you need to you know let's be mindful here so I'm I'm, you know, I, I feel that I'm very respectful of his choice and it just doesn't feature in our life together. Yeah, you know, I think you've done really well because, you know, like Lisa makes no secret of with her relationship, I mean, it didn't work out, did it, Lisa? And it wouldn't have worked out anyway, probably. No, definitely not. What happened is I, I tried when he got sober and I realised that he was just as much of an asshole sober as he was drunk. <laughs> And, and he now and he now drinks again. Um, oh, but, so it wouldn't. But just listening to you, Em, honestly, there were parts where you were talking, and I'm, I'm a fidgeter anyway, and I'm like <laughs> crawling under the table. I can feel the emotion that you're saying. I can feel like the atmosphere in the, the tension, air. yeah, yeah, and the tension yeah. when you were saying about the kids and how they blame, like you know, the stress of the children and how much you take that on as a person and think it's my fault because they're my children and oh my god. And, this and, and then you turn on your own children almost. Oh, it's like yeah. just be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, you know, and it's like this isn't messed up, you know. Um and I and don't think you realise then how bad it is at the time mm. until you kind of look back on it. Yeah. Because it becomes like your normal, you know, you're living that every single day. You learn how to deal with it and and dodge the emotions and fix everything and tell your children to be quiet and leave him alone at this time and that I time. Know. I know. Now, looking back, you're like, oh my God, how did I do that? So no wonder your dreams are nightmares. If he's going to have Dave coming in. Yeah. He, he made us laugh the other day, you know, Em. He made us laugh the other day because he had the photograph of the tiny little cup and he called himself Decaf Dave. Oh, I was <laughs> laughing. Oh, I mean, literally, he's now, yeah, no sugar, no caffeine. And I said to him last night, I said, so how long is the coffee thing? Oh, no, I'm done, I'm done. That's it, me and coffee, it's done. And I'm like, got my secret chocolates. Me saying, Miss, I'm Miss Moderate. You know, literally my chocolate consumption over lockdown is kind of, I'm looking, I'm doing this because I'm, I'm looking around to show you like the, the Tony's chocolate that I've become obsessed no. with. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's slightly annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this sober thing is not just about yeah. stopping drinking. You end up on this journey of literally cutting everything out of your life. Like I've gone toxic free this year. Well, I'm trying to have like my house as non-toxic. Yeah. And then I've, obviously I don't eat meat anymore. I don't like, I must be so irritating to people. They're like, and I've actually been told <laughs> people like, 
God, what do you do? And I'm like, I'll tell you what she does, which I'm so glad about, is caffeine now. Because Lisa actually had a problem up until very recently with my caffeine intake, but now she's got a bigger one. So I'm I'm happy with that. And I can deal with the no meat and I can deal with everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. It's so funny. But it's, we we should all, I mean, you what you're doing is incredible. And and, and what is just, because I, I knew nothing about this topic really. And it is, as I'm sure when David observes my kind of cancer conversations, you know, it's incredible to see how many people need to, to have this light shone on oh, these issues and just in the most normal, relatable way from those who've lived it from whatever side. And I think that's what's just so fantastic about, about what you do, what he does, you know, and yeah, I try I and do right. another one. You know, it's just brilliant, it's brilliant. brilliant, isn't it? And I think we're all so ashamed. Well, not anymore. <laughs> like, but we were ashamed to talk about it. You know, the word alcoholic, the mm. dependent, or drinking too much. It's got so much stigma and shame around. I, know. I, I know. got a message actually on my Facebook today of a girl I used to go to school with. And she's been sober two years and she said she's never spoke about it to anybody. She said, but I just wanted you to know that I'm listening to your podcast and I see what you do on Facebook and I just think it's amazing, but I've never really told anybody I'm sober. And I'm like, <gasps> but well, I never know who is listening, you know, yeah, being open and talking about these yeah. things. And not everybody feels that they want to, you know, that's what in a way I've said this quite a lot recently where, you know, if social media works for you, if it's something that you you don't have to be pre- you can it's you use it on your own your own terms. Yeah. yeah. So you can be you can be just watching from the shadows and getting as yeah. much. You don't have to. If you feel like you want to engage and enter the conversation, that's great. But otherwise, it's just the exactly. I get lots of DMs from oh, you know, I don't talk about it on here, but yeah, you know, and it's like yeah, you're getting in that they're getting a nugget here and a nugget there of something that they can yeah. take away. You know. Well, we're dead grateful that Dave got sober because obviously we met him, we've met you and your story, honestly, um, I know we we chatted separately anyway when you very recently, but I've got massive admiration for you every day, think you're doing incredible and you really are like a a thriver, you couldn't call you a survivor because you're amazing. To have gone through what you went through and and I did want to say it earlier on, but I didn't want to interrupt the flow. I've got one four-year-old, one five-year-old who's just turned five last week. Now, I've got two older children, but one five-year-old to have gone through three of those at the same time with cancer and an alcoholic partner, you, you've got to be a thriver. There's no way. <laughs> you've got to be a thriver. You're amazing. Thank you so much. And I and I thank you. I could say all of that, you know, I, I feel great love for you too I really do I think you're amazing and I just love being well I love being a woman and I love the fact that I don't know we've talked about Dave and I know but I love the fact that we can just there's so much so much connection as well and there's so much honesty isn't there and that we can all support each other on our journeys and the thriver word is a funny one because again you can it's one of those words that gets kind of not bandied around but it's a you know but I guess I can't think of another word it's like yeah I don't want to just be a survivor I want to be someone who's living su- successfully as in emotionally successfully yeah. with whatever that challenge is you know whether it's oh, cancer yeah. whether it's addiction whatever it is I, you know it's about finding your own way of accessing your own joy and and potential 
and oh, happiness. Incredible. Thank you so, thank so you. much for sharing. I know you found the time, by the way, but thank you. Oh, so no, it's, it's a joy. It's a real joy. And I can't wait to see what well, I'm, you know, my running post-run kind of messy attire but oh we didn't mention that did we We need to mention it so yeah emma's been on a run she does she normally looks very very glamorous even though she looks beautiful and fresh right now we did say we'd mention it it looks amazing i think when people have just come off a run they look absolutely beautiful you just look natural and fresh and amazing so it was only like 10 minutes before we started chatting and i was right quickly i said today but it's just a podcast you went no no no, i think they're recording it i was like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, these are the bits anyway. you don't see Em coming on going, it is just an audio, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's not Em. I love that. Alex never mind. Alex never for mind. ages. Oh, oh thank you so much, both of you. Oh, thanks, thanks again, Em. See you, See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.